Welcome. Welcome. To oh, three. <laughs> sorry, I've already ruined it. From my humble abode in the inner west of Sydney, I am face to face with the wonderful, the gorgeous. Oh my gosh! Ah! See, this is what happens when you record late on a Thursday night. Oh my gosh, we just had too much to talk about. Mm-hmm. I am with my wonderful friend Sasha Kelly. Hi, it- Sasha. Hi, Laurel. It's so exciting. I love when we see each other in person. It's a real treat. Do you know? I told a friend of mine that we were that you were coming over this evening, and she said. Just hearing your name, she's like, does that mean there's another episode in the world? <laughs> Yay! Oh, that makes me so pleased. That was really nice. Fills my heart with joy. Yeah. So here we are. Um, let's just get straight on into it. Great. Have you been making friends? I have. And you know what? I have to give a name check to someone who listens to the podcast, Megan. She, you know, I've had a really social couple of weeks making friends, but I'm going to give Megan the headline slot because... I'm literally visualizing her name in light. Yeah, you should. Brilliant. You should. Like in in light up spotlights. Um, so she last Sunday, I was really planning on like a quiet night in. I double booked her on a Saturday, so we'd had to cancel plans because I'd got had something else. And then she just texted me late Sunday evening and she said, I'm going to a literary reading round I know Laurel's face right now. I'm like <laughs> You wish you were there. Um, I'm you jealous. actually I've got the hots for Megan. I know. I don't... Oh my gosh. Hello, so I Megan. Said... Welcome to the podcast. So she was like, um, yeah, we're going to the Grace Darling just around the corner from you, literally 50 meters down the road from me. Um, we're downstairs in the basement. I Sounds like the beginning of a horror film. I know it does, but it was um, a safe location. <laughs> and so... It was actually quite a hilarious evening because it was a funeral for a literary publication that's closing its doors because it ran out of funding. I did not read or ask questions about anything beyond a reading. So I just put on my fabulous green jacket that I just made that's very bright. I didn't realize that it had started when I arrived. And so I literally opened the door into a room of people dressed in black (gasps) (gasps) facing the door while they're listening to someone read like really detailed um, and intense writing. And I'm like, everyone's in black and I'm in green. And I was also... The viral images of Kim Kardashian showing up to that party this weekend in her X-Men costume. Yeah, or Bridget Jones in her bunny costume. <gasps> yes. Or um or just me. Or like that. In um, my green coat. Have you seen that meme of the raccoon that comes out of the bin and it's like, hello? Oh my god. Anyway, and also I was wearing my ostentatious Sydney ring. Yes. And it, yeah, anyway, it just was one of those apparent those circumstances where you're like, I didn't dress for this group. Yeah. But I'm not going to apologize for it because then it was just the most delightful evening and Megan just has the most beautiful friends and um, some of the, like one of the readings in particular was just really extraordinary and it just really, I mean, I, I can only say really about one because one of them I was like, 
deep in thought about my green coat. Um, I'm feeling very (laughs) self-conscious. And the second I was more able to kind of um, find a place where I could sneak into the wall a little bit more. The other thing, though... No, I just got an image of you as Homer. Yeah, just like backing into the edge. (laughs) Um, And then the other thing I did is I went to my writing class. (gasps) um, And I'm just going to put on the table, like, we can follow it up at another stage because I'm definitely going to go back. But do it. Book the thing. Sorry, I'm hitting the couch now and it's probably coming through on the mic. Do the thing. Go to the thing. Had everyone else brought something that they'd written or no? No. It looks, it turns out that I'm not very good at reading instructions because this is the second, like, didn't quite absorb it. So what they actually do, I believe they might do some particular sessions where you can read or you can kind of talk about what you've brought. Mm. But they, we just did two hours of writing exercises oh. and you could work on a project that you already had or you could start a new piece if you just felt like you wanted to practice the muscle of writing. And we did, um, we talked about tone of voice. And so she was asking us to write a passage and a couple of pages um, in first person from a character that is completely separate to who we are and to really push ourselves to be trying to um, occupy a different tone of voice, mm. which I then found impossibly hard. We've so, already heard one plane, so just let them go. Yeah, we are. We we're are in the West. In the inner West. Yeah, we're so in we're just going to hear some planes going over this yeah. episode. But I found it. I just find writing so hard, but so energizing. I am so. I am equal parts, and I've said this to you already, equal parts impressed and envious of this experience. You I really too can go to a writing group. I really want to. And yet, you know, I spent a good part of that afternoon that we were messaging about this, Googling writing groups in Sydney, and I couldn't find any that sounded quite... It sounds like you found one that really strikes a lovely balance of formal and structured, but also mm. incredibly informal, because the ones that I could see that were more structured were also like bring along your work and be ready to read it and I'm thinking I just want someone to say okay for the next 15 minutes we're going to write a passage of dialogue just go for it yeah um but maybe that's stuff that I need to do myself but I yeah I I need to stop thinking and do I think it's out there and I think you need to maybe approach it the same way that you might with dating because Mm -hmm. that's what I did a couple of groups and find yeah Mm. and I found it really similar to dating too where it's like Um, well, when you first start and you're going, oh my gosh, I don't want to go. Then you have like that convulsion of fear and you're stressed and you're thinking like, oh, I just don't want to leave. It's going to be so much easier if I cancel. Once you're a hardened professional of dead first dates, you're just like, oh, well, what have you done to make friends? Well, I think I'm doing a great callback, Sasha, to one of your recommendations. Oh, I, I cannot talk. That's okay. We're here. We're that's here. The that's start. the important thing. And do you know what, listeners? We've missed you. We want to be here. We're thrilled to be here. And we are nonsensical, but mm. delighted nonetheless. Yeah. A callback, Sasha, mm. to one of our lockdown episodes, in oh, fact. Yes. When I was slightly depressed. It was a darker time. <laughs> and for us all. Mm. And... You talked about the importance of that interaction with one's friendly barista. Oh, yeah, I was like, when the only person I talked to 
was the man who made my coffee. Is that what we're going to reference? And it is what we're going to reference. No, it's not quite what <laughs> okay. we're going to reference. But I, <laughs> I, found, I found a new local, well, new to me local coffee shop, um, Double Tap in Marrickville. Mm-hmm. It's great. They're really friendly. They're lovely. It's also one of the cheaper coffee places around mm-hmm. at the moment, seeing as everyone's hiked up their prices. And I understand why, and I respect you, and good on you, and yeah. don't come for me. But also, yeah. if I can still find somewhere that does a coffee for... Change from a fiver. Yeah, change yeah. from a fiver that I'm I'm going to go there. Anyway, they are delightful. That's good. But the other day, I was sitting outside having my flat white, and this lovely lady and her dog appeared, and she left her dog with me. Lucky was the name of the dog. And she said, you're going to have a friend for life in a second. Mm-hmm. And I did. I made friends with Lucky. And then Lucky's owner, Fiona... Owner Fiona came back and sat beside me, and we just started having the most lovely conversation. And she was like, "I've just started working around the corner, blah blah blah." We were talking about going to gigs, mm. and she was just this like woman. I would say probably in her fifties, who just exuded this gorgeous, glowy mm. energy of that that older woman, gorgeous energy yeah. that then I was immediately texting you about. Yeah, and you were. Saying, what is it? What is it? Yeah. What is that glow? Where does it come from? My oil painting teacher last year had it. And I thought it was because she... Because she made her own clothes. And I just yeah, thought part of it. there was something about her aesthetic and the way she moved through the world. She just had that... And she swam. I always uh, think it's people who swim. Do you know what? To uh, refer to one of my great loves, Sarah Winman, author of Still yes. Life. She is a woman who glows on her social media does she swim and she's an open water swimmer yeah yeah i think it's swimmers mm. it's my new theory which is Kate funny Campbell so you would think that, that would dry you out but maybe think, people are over moisturizing mm. afterwards and if you're like swimming in fresh water maybe it's different i don't tell know. us please tell us get in contact if you're a pond swimmer <laughs> yes open water indoor pools ocean outdoor water. pools oceans ponds there's one in is it Primrose Park in London? I've never been. Hampstead Heath. Hampstead Heath. I always wanted to go oh, and I ponds. always forgot about it. I think there's a book about them as well, which I really wanted yes. to read, of course. Mm. Um, anyway, we digress. Yeah. So okay, reading. Fiona and Megan. Oh, yeah, sorry. Thanks for being awesome this week. Yeah. Owner Fiona and Lucky. Lucky, look, not the most original name, but I guess he was Lucky. Oh yeah, and he what a character! He was well. gorgeous. Okay, he brought great. luck to my day. That's good. What have you, What have I been reading? Is yeah, that well, I thought me? like let's go on to reading. Let's go on to reading. I have to say, I think I've been in a bit of a reading rut, but I did really enjoy recently the sort of. So Ali Smith wrote this seasonal quartet: mm-hmm. spring, summer, autumn, winter. Um, not in that order. I don't. I think they mm-hmm. were released autumn, winter, spring, summer was the order in which they were released. Mm-hmm. And they, she is a Scottish author. The books were written almost um, to time of the mm-hmm. of the time that they were set in. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So the last part was basically written during part of the pandemic mm-hmm. and referenced it and. They've been characterised in some ways as Brexit novels, but they're not just about Brexit, but they're definitely Mm -hmm. about the time and the culture of Brexit and the influence of that on how people in the UK interact with one another. But there's usually also a narrative that's like set in another time frame, which is very 
connected to her other writing as well. So she's, sorry, she's written novels. <clears throat> yes. In these seasons. Yes. In a, like, that's an incredibly short time frame. Like, one has come out a year oh, roughly. Oh, okay. You know, yeah, okay. she hasn't written. No, I was no, thinking, no, 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 no. that's prolific. There's prolific and there's prolific. And that is. Okay. That and is that is prolific. Prolific. <laughs> Anyway, Gosh, so we're she... really cracking each other up tonight, are we? We <laughs> I think, think we're really in... funny. I think it's the intensity of actually being faced. Yeah, that's true. And we have, um, sorry that we didn't bring out the microphone earlier, but we've had like a very intense like hour and a half conversation. And then we were like, right, we've got to get something on mic. <laughs> I was just lying on the floor trying I to know. stretch my back out and just go, do you want to make a podcast then? <laughs> All right, so back okay. to it. Yeah, so that's sort of what they're set in. But she just has this way of writing, which is like reading a poem. Mm. And they pull you along. And it's incredibly hard to describe. Yeah. But it's very different. And I came to Ali Smith when I was in a reading rut at university. Or after university, sorry. Like, first year of work after university. Mm -hmm. I emailed one of my old lecturers and said... Because I studied English, so that was why and I thought they'll have good reading recommendations because mm. if you don't know anything else at, at university studying English you learn good books so yeah let's yeah. do this and I emailed one of my old lecturers and I said look I'm in a real reading rut I need some help and she said Ali Smith and mm. Ali Smith has ever since become a sort of trusted writer mm. for me of because her writing is different I think like truly yeah. different so companion piece by Ali Smith is companion my companion piece that's so good um, what about you, Sash? I'm going to really quickly look up... Can we just say that Sasha's phone case matches her audacious oh, My nails red are nails. audacious. Absolutely so audacious. They're that sort of length where you know that if she's tapping the screen, you'll they like clack. hear them clack. They clack. Yeah. And I had to get these trimmed back. Wow. Because they were too far. Um, so what I'm going to recommend, and I'm really apologizing, I cannot find the title. I cannot find it right now. It's late. It's Thursday night. That's the excuse I have. But it's Rob Delaney's piece about his son. Do you know who Rob Delaney is? The actor? Yeah. If you're not familiar, um, I think the main thing I know him from is from Catastrophe. The TV show that I think... I can't remember whether it's Sharon Hogan's real life or his real life. I think it's Sharon Hogan's real life. Sharon Hogan's where she had a one night stand with an American and then became pregnant in her late thirties and they decide to just have the baby and have a go at it because Mm -hmm. they've given it a good crack with a lot of other people and it hasn't worked. Yeah. And, um, I'm not ruining anything, but the story is they're actually incredibly well suited to each other in a really (laughs) kind of mismatched way. Mm -hmm. And they kind of limp through having this really Mm. hilarious relationship. Obviously it's a comedy show and it's about um like the comedy in like two people who barely know each other having a child um but I find it really really funny and they're both very funny in it and they co-write it together but what happened is I believe in the fourth season um and and at a time of great personal uh professional um success for the show, I think they just won a BAFTA, like some really yeah, big award. Yeah, they awards. did win something. It, it became really successful. Yeah, and it was in a latest. It was. Yeah, it wasn't initially I believe as it's as it became yeah. season four. Um, so sorry, I'm jumping all around. His son, his two year old son Henry, 
around the same time that Catastrophe was winning all these awards, was diagnosed with a brain tumour. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so there's this article in the Times. It's an, it's an extract, I believe, an extract from the book. Although it's quite comprehensive, so it could be, like, a reworking. It's called The Heaviest Pain in the World. And... Um, I'd seen it recommended by a couple of English journalists that I respected. I think Pandora Sykes Mm. tweeted it and said, this is really hard to read, but it's worth reading. That is my main caveat. And I will tell you why. It is the most searing, angry, and target. Like it, it's so palpable. His pain at his son having died. Uh, yeah, so Henry, um, the tumour was um, fatal. But I'm in awe of how eloquent he is about that pain. Mm. I just can't imagine having the capacity to be able to put that level of grief into words. Yeah. Um, he talks a little bit about that in the piece so that it's the only way he knows how to communicate is through writing. So he feels like it's natural for him to want to talk about it um, and not shut down, but rather share. He talks about his relationship with his wife and how they handled it, going through it together. Um, It's just honestly, I rarely have physical, physical reactions to pieces um, of writing and I read this at my desk I cried oh. and then I had to go lie down for half an hour because I felt sick and I don't say that as a like badge of honor but it was so beautifully written and so painful to read and yet you were right there I just you know, it was just extraordinary. That's the only way. I could. It was a really extraordinary thing to put pen to paper and then put out into the world. Because I thought I'm not even an especially. I'm I'm a sensitive person, but normally I'm quite stoic at being able to hear things from other people's stories. Like I'll definitely ruminate on them and I'll definitely think about them, but I won't physically have like a very strong reaction. Well, buckle up, and yeah. <laughs> so I've sent it to another friend who I know loves catastrophe, and I said. Look, just a warning, like, I found this really difficult. Mm. Um, But I think it's... I'm sharing it because I think it's really exceptional writing. And I also think that we don't talk about death. And I don't mean in that morbid fascination way, but I think... The reality of it. The reality of it. And also, um, he... I, I just think some of the things, the insights that he shares are so powerful and poignant mm. in understanding what to say and what not to say to someone in a similar situation. Yeah. Um, oh, I wish I could, I could reference it, but there's this particularly beautiful moment where he talks about, because they knew he was going to die, so they took him home um, to die at home with his family. Yeah. Um. And the house next door had construction going on, like they were building. And he said his son died and they were all there and they watched him take his last breath. And then he said he went next door to the builders and he said, do you mind just not building for half an hour because my son just died? And, you know, you just think about like the banality of that moment, but also like 
it, it, there's just something in the way that he writes it. And he said, because we just wanted to sit there in silence in the middle of London and not have to deal with the fact that life went on. But he said, I just felt like screaming at them, like, you know, you all those things that are completely natural. But the way that he manages to put that all on paper um, and communicate it to you, you're like, of course, of course, life must feel so weird in the immediate aftermath of that. Anyway, and it's also just so beautiful how much he loves his kids, I think. It's really rare for men to yeah. talk about the beauty of their kids in yeah. such a overt way. And I just feel a lot of affection for him. But anyway. I'm... Yeah, because we don't talk about death that much. We don't talk about, we don't hear that much. Sorry, we're definitely getting some of my neighbours on this recording. <laughs> we don't mm-hmm. talk about um, parents losing children either. If we talk about death, we're, we're barely sort of teetering on the edge of talking about the elderly dying Mm. and what it's like and how you want Mm. to prepare for your final days we don't talk about parents losing children Mm. we've kind of started talking about it we've kind of started talking about miscarriage more if we talk about miscarriage it's women talking about miscarriage Mm. predominantly it's not often dads talking about losing their Mm. children and I think that's yeah that's an interesting and I think it's also um Oh, I'm going to generalize wildly here, but let me go go for it. I think also with male, uh, with a lot of male writers, there's a certain bravado. Mm. To be fair, I mainly read male nonfiction that's like biographies or sharing a story from after, or I read fiction that's clearly a work of imagination. I think the fact that he's so... I just, I keep coming back to the fact I've never read anything like it. Anyway, I've talked enough about that my recommendation for watching because this one's super easy and i feel like i have to be responsible for a change of tone is i've um fallen down a massive rabbit hole kate blanchett has that new movie coming out yes. tar which i'm very keen to see of course you are and she appeared on hot ones was she sick at the end of it i thought she might be sick um it, but she burps a lot yeah. and she's clearly really uncomfortable with the fact that she's burping but then i went on a deep dive of hot ones and i watched about 10 they in a are row. they are brilliant and they're extra i know and he's got such a dry got an odd way of delivery asking, yeah but his questions are brilliant they and at are least very well researched four or five of them <clears> at the end are like you're an extraordinary interviewer. And so then I went, oh my gosh, they all adore him. Yeah, and they're very surprised by the stuff that he's asking them, I think. Which yeah. Is nice. Yeah, which one I recently watched, um, Vi- Viola... That one's also brilliant, Viola, Viola Davis. Yeah, Viola Davis. and Or Viola Davis, sorry. And I really liked... Colin Farrell Okay, I haven't watched well. that. That's funny. That's good. Can I give my top one is definitely Gordon Ramsay. Oh, I saw him on the sidebar. I haven't watched Twice. that. He comes, watch his first appearance and then his second one. They're both brilliant. Okay. I think every time I see Gordon Ramsay, I forget that he's actually a cooking genius. Mm. It's so easy to just be like, yeah. oh yeah, Gordon Ramsay, he swears a lot. But yeah. he's actually, he asks him about food and he just... He can just talk underwater about food. And then he does a scrambled egg recipe at the end. And I did it on the weekend and it was delicious. Oh, okay. I'll, yeah. I'll probably watch that tomorrow, to be honest. Do it. It's it's a great... It's excellent. Anyway, that's my watching. That's what yeah, I'm watching. Yeah, there was someone else I watched recently on it. Anyway, 
It's good. It's good. Oh, and da- I'm halfway through the Daniel Kaluuya one because I love Daniel Kaluuya. That's the one. What is it? <laughs> and he keeps going. I was built for this. It's so good. Also, oh god, one. I'm on a it roll. It was so good. It, I watched... Daniel Kaluuya is brilliant. I but I could watch him read the phone book. I, I really could. could. You know who else I could read? Watch the phone book. Sorry, I. I you could read. Real... Watch the phone book. I could read. You know what? Um. Louis Theroux's interview with Stormzy. No, but I've heard, I've just heard about this on the radio. Also brilliant. That's all I'm going to say. Something about the high knees. He's just a brilliant man. I just really, I just kept being like, I just write a book, Stormzy, start a religion. Well, Stormzy does need to write a book, but he has his publishing company. We're meandering. Let's come back to. Sorry, what what are you watching? What was the recommendation? Just because that was a bit chaotic. Hot Ones, the whole channel. Um, it's by First We Feast. You just watch celebrities eat hot wings and answer progressively hard questions about yeah. their personal life and watch them sweat. It's just charming. And in the Kate Blanchett one, you do also get a little bit of background about the channel and how it came to be, which was quite nice because mm, I hadn't yeah. come across that. Um, yeah. I think it was in that one. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Anyway. What have I been watching? Well, um, you're... Your recommendations are getting getting traction. So I hear. Sash. So you texted me. Because, yeah, but now I can't remember which recommendation that was that Erin was watching. The Good Fight. Okay, so first of all, The Good Fight is being watched. Of course I remembered that because I love The Good Fight. <laughs> <You> <laughs> and I was so proud of it. But I was feeling a little lost after the end of Hot D. Hot D? House of the Dragon. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm going... What's this new show that you're telling me about? Yeah, I felt really Just to make bereft. it sound like a really rude show, but House of the I Dragon. Have. Yeah, I felt a bit lost after it ended. Mm. And um, I'm a one streaming service at a time gal. Yeah. So I was like, okay, what am I going to find here? Or am I going to cancel this streaming service and move to a different one? Mm. But in the meantime, The Great British Bake Off has started. <gasps> And Delightful. I'm just really enjoying it. It's it's something that I watch. I grin ear to ear while I'm watching it. I've got some standout favourites. I'd love to hear listeners if you're watching it. Whose are yours? Whose yours are? Whichever way around, I should be saying that. Mm. Um, but also the other thing to talk mm. about your recommendations getting traction. I saw that there was going to be a second season of White Lotus. <gasps> And I hadn't watched it, and I hadn't watched it, and I hadn't watched it. And so at the weekend, and this week, I have started to watch White Lotus. Oh, what do you think? I'm about halfway through the first season. Yeah. It's really good, isn't it? Yeah. I watched the trailer. Yeah, and I watched the trailer, and I was like, I don't get what this is. Like, it's not a comedy. still don't. I think it's like tonally mixed up in the way that Succession mm-hmm. is, but Succession mm-hmm. to me is clearly more of a dramedy. Karma. I think Succession yeah. is clearly satire. Once someone was like, it's satire, it's like, of course it is. Because yeah. then it can really sit in that place of like, sometimes you laugh and sometimes you're you're horrified. Yes. But you don't really need to define it anymore. Exactly. Whereas yeah. I don't feel like this is such clear-cut no. satire. And so I think for when I watched the trailer, I was like, I don't know what this is. Like, mm. I and I thought it was meant to be a comedy, I think. And then mm. I'm watching it and I'm thinking, this isn't, but it's, I can't look away. Mm. I'm completely enraptured by it. Yeah. And it is... The Similar to succession fantastic. because it's rich people behaving atrociously. atrociously. Mm. Um, 
So it does fit with Succession, actually, now that you mention it. Yeah. I've got questions for you. Even though the season's been out for a while, I think I might mm-hmm. just ask them off mic because yeah, I feel like them. it would spoil them for oh, okay. people. Oh, okay, okay. Because I've made assumptions about stuff, but... Um, okay. Um, is there anything vague that you... What are you... Who are you particularly drawn to at this point, moment in time? Or have you made up any decisions about characters on Ooh. screen? Because a couple of them appear... One of them appears in the next season as well. Oh, Just yeah. Just a fun fact. I'm assuming that Jennifer Coolidge's character appears in the second season. Yeah. Is she the only person who yeah. reappears? So no one else comes back. Yeah, but not because they die or anything, just because they just... Um, so the theme that they're now carrying, because it was written as a one series only and then got renewed. Um, so the theme that they're carrying is now the White Lotus is a chain. Yeah. Which I don't think is... Is that clear in the first season? I don't remember it being clear. I don't know. So now they're going to... They're following her on a second trip. And and she makes mention of it in the first episode. She's like, I... I was a petal member and now I'm a bloom. I love your hotels. And so that it's it's clear that now it's an anthology that's going to follow okay. rich people behaving badly. It's great. It's really good show. It's really, really good. So that's what I'm watching. I'm watching White Lotus. I feel like it's brilliant. What are you listening to? Ugh. Well, I'm very pleased with this because it was something that I listened to today. Oh. Because... <laughs> enthusiastic love of my life dolly alderton is on her press tour isn't she for her new book is and she has done an appearance on dish which is the podcast that nick grimshaw previously Mm -hmm. a radio one Mm -hmm. breakfast show Mm -hmm. bbc radio one Mm -hmm. breakfast show and angela hartnett who is like a michelin star chef Mm -hmm. of you've probably seen her on like the Great British Menu, if you're in the UK. You've probably seen her on, like, MasterChef at some point or another. Uh Anyway, she's been around on, like, various UK cooking programs for a long time. Mm -hmm. And we've seen a similar format in terms of guests come to dinner on, like, Table Manners with Jessie Ware. But this is different because Nick Grimshaw is a radio host. Mm. She's a professional chef. It's just something slightly different to it. Um, And it's also a delightful 30 minutes. Oh. Tight. Perfect commute. Like, very tight. Dish, you're calling it. It's called Dish. And so they had Dolly Alderton on, and they were just, I was just smiling the entire time Mm. I was listening to it. Also, Dolly refers to being on a novel writing deadline, which gives me great (gasps) hope that there's a new novel in the works. Oh, that's brilliant to hear. And they have a great discussion about martinis and learning to enjoy a martini and i am so on that train of thought having recently um arrived into enjoying Mm. a dirty martini Mm. um not a spagliato oh that also by the way i ordered that recently when i was out how is it negroni spagliato (laughs) spagliato spagliato with prosecco in it that's exactly how she says it and the lean it's always the it's the lean in at the end (sighs) With Prosecco in it. And then just the low delivery. I love it. I am so attracted to Emma Darcy. It's just kind of inappropriate. I would challenge Anyone a warm-blooded human out there in the world. To not be attracted to Emma Darcy to not find talking about them attractive. Spagliato, yeah. 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 Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, the way they deliver that is just... <sighs> yeah. Anyway. Um... I'm going to try and deliver the rest of the show. In that voice. 
Sorry, it's too hard. It's too hard. But um, but also <laughs> mm, with prosecco in it. Yeah, so learning to enjoy a martini, I have had a Negroni Spagliato with Prosecco in it recently. <laughs> and that's, that's me. So what yeah. have you been listening to? Okay, well, I've been in a podcast rut of late. Mm, I too have been in a podcast yeah. rut, which is why listening to Dish this afternoon was yeah. such a treat. Really struggling. But I've started listening to Flex and Frooms on... So they're a radio show... Um, Kada is a digital radio station, commercial radio that's trying to challenge Triple J. Mm. Uh, it's Flex Mommy and Frooms, who are comedians. They're mainly like social media personalities. I adore them. We interviewed Flex Mommy, and I found her really compelling for work through work. Sorry, I should say. Yeah, that interview was getting a lot of attention, wasn't it? Yeah. That looked pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and she's. And I went and since bought her book and I found that really interesting and um, I really enjoyed reading it. And so I've just, so they release a daily podcast of their show. So it's 20 minutes um, and it comes out around 4 p.m. every day. And I just find it a really, the perfect timing if I'm going to the shops or something, I can just pop it on and listen to it. So that's my recommendation there. Um, I also have to say that Taylor Swift's Midnight's <gasps> came out. How have I not referenced this? I thought, do you know what? When I thought about this earlier in the week, I was like, we're going to be talking about this all episode. And then we haven't. We haven't even mentioned it. Um, the woman's made history this week. We should be talking about it. The woman it. has made history. With my mum texted me. <laughs> my mum texted me yesterday being like, how great is it for Taylor Swift? <laughs> Laurel just hit the lamp. She's hit the lamp. And I thought, my love for Taylor has reached the levels that my parents are now. Daniel appreciates Daniel it. Ricardo and Taylor Swift, the two people whose day, like, outside. Yeah, your parents will get in touch yeah, with you Yeah, they'll about. get in touch with me about their achievements. Um, <laughs> Like, I'm their friend slash fictional I love that so much. girlfriend. Um, anyway, um, look, for me, 1989 will always be the best album. I really enjoyed the COVID albums Evermore and Folklore. Mm. I do find them slightly a time and place for me now. So I do find them difficult to go back mm. to just because I find them quite like, oh gosh, we're all locked inside. Yeah. And it really feels like that. Dying of misery. <laughs> um, we can laugh about it now. I know we can laugh about it. We're free. Um, but I feel like this is really, and I didn't love Lover the album, I found it a little, mm. um, like she was trying to find a voice after the success of 1989. No reputation came in between. Like mm, I yeah, but that was that sort of fell on its face, didn't it? In comparison, yeah. yeah. Um, but I'm really enjoying this album. I think it's, I'm, I I just love Taylor Swift. I think um, Antihero in particular. I know it's the big the big hit, but I think. Um, She's just six months younger than me. I think that's no mm. um, no coincidence that I often find what she's writing about really reflects stuff I'm going through in my own life. She's, like, very open about this album, like, of her having gone through therapy and, like, 
really identifying her fears and the things that hold her back. I think it's really clear. Mm. I also think it's really interesting that she's talked about on the Graham Norton show, she talked about this being like a writing prompt album. Yes. Yeah, because I think she's to kind go all of... all the way back to your writing group. Yeah, yeah, I think Taylor Swift's got to this point where she's kind of trained the Swifties to assume that everything's autobiographical in a really ridiculously accurate way. But yeah. she's been in a happy relationship for six years. She's got quite a low-key life for a celebrity of that size. Mm. I imagine she must be at the stage where she has to start making stuff up. Yeah. No, yeah. and it's 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 just a great it's a great album. It's one that really um, benefits from. Well, actually, first impressions were great, but it, mm. the, the re-listening of it, I'm yeah. getting so much more from multiple listens. I'm loving What's it. What's your favorite tracks? Do you have some? Antihero is definitely up there, and I think that's probably because people have identified with it so much. Um, mm. But I feel like I messaged you didn't. I, the problem is when I'm listening to it on Spotify, I don't retain the track yeah, names. Yeah, because it's just in your ears while you walk around. Yeah, but yeah. there was another one that... Um, I love I'll look at it. Vigilante Shit. Is that the one? That's the really like angsty one. Yeah, and it definitely wasn't an angsty one, but I remember okay. you saying you really liked that. I'm never going to be able to find... In our message chat, I'm never going to no. be able to find which one it was I that I liked. I might be able to... I like Bejeweled. I'm really interested to see what the visual Oh yeah, Bejeweled was good. Oh no, I found a way to find it. Labyrinth. That was the one that I was oh, like, interesting. oh my gosh, this hits. This I hits love me. Karma and I love Mastermind as well. In the feels. Yeah. Hitting me in the feels. Um, yeah. But Antihero, I was, I was on a run on Monday evening having mm. had a bit of an anxious day, like a real, you know, that build up when your body is just mm. buzzing with anxiety and lots of mm-hmm. things have been going on. And anyway, went for a run, bit of a release. And I was listening to Radio 1 on the mm. run, which is a, something I love to do of an, of an mm. evening, is to listen to breakfast radio in the UK. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. It just It's a really nice atmosphere. It's always very mm. uplifting because they're trying to get people going for the beginning of their day. And you're like, little do you know, it's the end of it's mine. It's the end of mine. Mm. And I was on my run and they were talking about that was the day that it was announced that she had made the billboard yeah. the whole of the top ten. And then they played Antihero. And I was running while listening to Antihero. And I was just like, on, a, on at the end of an anxious day, listening to a song mm. about anxiety. <laughs> And I was like, it just really hit home, hit all the best, but in yeah. all the best ways. And my goodness, as someone who grew up feeling like a massive giant among her friends, yeah. that bit when she's like, do you ever feel like everyone's sex- a sexy baby and I'm a monster on the hill? And I was like, yes, <laughs> everyone is a sexy baby and I am a monster <laughs> on the hill, Taylor. Um, but I'm one of millions of people feeling the same listening That's to okay. her music at the I moment. I think that that line really hit home for the tall girls. The tall girls, I've, I've really seen a lot of online content of them being like, someone's finally addressed <laughs> how we feel. <laughs> While Carrie and Aiden are going, diddly do da diddly do. <laughs> In Sex and the City, Taylor Swift is channeling what it actually feels like to be a tall girl. Yeah. Everyone around you is a sexy baby. Yeah. And you're a monster on a hill. You're not a monster on the hill. Thanks, Neither babe. is Taylor. Um, I've also really enjoyed the TikTok trend of people 
like getting really detailed about the it's me, me. hi <laughs> um, probably, there's one of the guy from gossip girl Penn badgley who's a new he did a really good one and uh, then so did elizabeth banks and i was just like i'm, I'm just gonna have to go and look this. those up so yeah. good i started yeah. Uh, yeah 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 I think I think we're at the end now. I think we're at the end. I this think we it. really talked today. I love that we were giving ourselves a hard um, thirty minutes. Yeah, we haven't done that. We haven't done that, but we'll be cutting this down. Apologies. Oh, listeners, it's good to be back with you. Um, if you would like to follow us, we are at Three Wheeling Pod mm-hmm. on Instagram, and you can email us threewheelingpod at gmail dot com. We would love to hear from you. Yeah. Do you know what I'm going to put? some of my ceramics up on our oh Instagram gosh, because I've got really carried away. That is the only downside of the nails. Not good for the ceramics. Really bad for mm. the ceramics. Was very difficult on Monday. Felt very short-sighted. Quite a Were few people like the mentioned. monster in Pan's Labyrinth? I, I really was because also I knew I'd made a mistake the second I got them done and then I arrived at Pottery and someone went, nice nails. You're going to have a really hard time tonight. Oh. And I was like, I know. I know, so I literally strapped sponges to my hands. Oh, very wise. Yeah, it's just, it's hard to be dexterous with sponges. Okay, get in touch. We'll show you pictures of Sasha's ceramics. Yeah. And uh, share us with your friends. Yeah, please do. Send it to a friend. Pass the pod along. Pass the pod. Because we are small but mighty. Sorry. (laughs) Laurel did a real eyebrow raise then. Like, I wanted wanted Sasha to say her little catchphrase. Yeah, we're small but mighty. But um, it's been really lovely to hear from so many. Um, send us a friend record too, like if you like Megan and you don't actually have to invite us to an event. That was do, beyond, well. <laughs> that was well and truly like beyond um, the call of duty. But um, we'd love to hear from you, to hear how your friend Megan is okay. But for now, bye. 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 With Prosecco and it.